Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing equality and innovation back to black, indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes. And make sure you use code WITCHY, W-I-C-T-H-Y, for 20% off of your purchase. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Witchy Wellness Radio, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way they're actually leading the way, and today we are talking with Maria Victoria Albina. She is a master certified somatic life coach, UCSF trained family nurse practitioner, and breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping humans socialize as women realize that they are on their own They are their own best healers by reconnecting to their bodies and minds so they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing to reclaim their joy. I'm so excited to have Maria Victoria on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight to be here. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll have a lot to talk about today because a lot of our listeners totally relate to what you're about is really, you know, our show's tagline is your body and emotions are not in the way right. they're leading the way and so much of yes. the work that you do is that's that's exactly the premise of it all yeah. but I would I would love to hear how did you get from you know where you started to where you are today working and helping people realize that their bodies are really leading the way mm, I love that and I love the way you framed that thank you um my journey into this work started by, well, uh, started at birth, really. I was very sick. I had uh, digestive problems and the kind of intermittent depression and anxiety that comes with alterations in the gut microbiome since I was very, very small. And um, I tried what felt like everything to heal it. Uh, And part of that work, because I am a nerd's nerd nerd, uh, which is a compliment, let me be very clear, Um, I became the help that I needed because I couldn't find help otherwise. So I started studying medicine and studying psychology and became a a family nurse practitioner, an herbalist, uh, studied functional medicine, worked in primary care and and had a private practice in Manhattan, um, which was a great joy in a lot of ways. And I healed myself physically, and found that my symptoms kept coming back and I couldn't figure out why. And so I started, you know, I also trained in epidemiology again, 
nerd. Uh, and so I started looking at patterns, right? Um, and getting really curious about what the what was, when my symptoms were spiking and what was going on in my life. Um, I sort of started getting clued into mindset, uh, clued into somatic experience and started then tracking the same things in my patients and starting to see the real overlap. That collectively, when uh, when things in our life felt out of balance, uh, disorganized, unsettled, uh, when we were not in presence, when we were not attuned to self, when we were not living in intentional ways, when we were living from our codependent, perfectionist, and people-pleasing habits, we had tummy aches. Our thyroid numbers would get jacked. Our periods would be early or late, right? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that inquiry right? What is the core dis-ease here keeping me and my patients uh, out of wellness led me to jump, not jump actually, take the, the gentle lean in from functional medicine to looking at mindset and training in somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy as, an, as a coach and really exploring the, the role the nervous system has in every aspect of our lived experience. And it has been incredible. The amount of change I see in my clients' lives now is just, oh, Lauren, it's just mind-blowing, just mind-blowing. That's so beautiful. And mm. I know so many of us can relate. I yeah. think, um, you know, the word codependency is more, it's more in the vernacular, I think, yeah. you know, the past 10 years or so, maybe because mm -hmm. that was kind of my own journey too. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of in those healing journeys, and we don't, you know, really connecting that mind-body connection. We don't realize yeah. how much, like you said, your own journey, like, well, why are, why are my patients getting, why am I not getting any better? Right. Yeah. For me, it's like, there's no mind-body connection. It's just one. It's, it's all, you know. Right. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. I couldn't agree more. And I, I talk about it as the mind-body connection because I find that, generally speaking, folks are so focused on one or the other. Yes. Right. And they want to, I did too, want to think our way into being well, or just yoga our way into being well and not look at our mindset. And so for me, it's like a bridge, that conversation, mm -hmm. that languaging is a bridge that allows people to say like, okay, I believe the mind has primacy or I believe the body does. Maybe I can connect them. And, and so it's, it's sneaky, Lauren. Yeah. It's like a sneaky way to be like, actually, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And I yeah. see that too yeah. in myself yeah. and people that are on the yeah. journey, whether it's so spiritual, like you said, totally. just, I'm going to meditate, which can right. work, but I'm going to, you know, maybe it, yeah. some people, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to yeah. put limits on anybody. <laughs> no, totally, totally, totally. Say, you know? But it's yeah. about, for me, it's like finding yeah. that balance, that flow state right. of, yes. you know, I'm still going to like, feed my body well whether it's yeah. what i think what Ooh. i eat how i yeah. move who i'm yeah. with you know it's right. like what i yeah. say it's yeah. like you it's 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 all all of that and yeah i wanted just to, to talk about i mean i kind of mentioned codependency but what, what's kind of your synopsis or definition of codependency and like what does that look like because maybe some people might not realize they have some codependent symptoms in their own lives and their own bodies. 
Yeah, thank you for that question. Because uh, I think it's a, it's a place of great confusion that leads a lot of people who could be getting a lot of help from getting help because they're like, oh, I just don't identify with, with what I've heard as the popular story around codependency, which really comes from the 80s uh, and the war on drugs and this whole framing that, you know, folks who use substances, uh, who use drugs are a problem. They're bad, bad people, right? That's a war on drugs told us. And they are being enabled by these other people who have similar character defects and bad, bad ways of being that keep the drug user, substance user, alcohol user using. It's it's their fault too, right? And so this villainization that happened was really part and parcel of the concept of the war on drugs. So that's where a lot of our early ideas about codependency really come from. And so in my work, I, I really disconnect the concept of codependency from uh, living with someone with substance use issues, right? I, I I abstract it from alcoholism because I don't, because yes, there is that overlap, but also there isn't. And so when we can be more broad and have a greater breadth and depth, we can give people the chance to find wellness, right? So I define codependent thinking as the habit of chronically and habitually sourcing our sense of wellness worth and value from everyone and everything outside of ourselves in a hunt, an endless quest for external safety instead of looking within because we don't believe we're worthy and we don't know that we can create safety for ourselves. So I don't talk about codependent people or codependency. I talk about codependent thinking because I believe it's the mindset that's really the issue. I don't, I don't believe that we're like, fucked, right? That like, oh, you grew up, right? With people who have codependent thinking, that's what you modeled yourself on, right? Mirror neurons, monkey see, monkey do. Little brains are like, what are you up to? Yeah, you're, you're, you're looking outside of you for worth? And you're my parent? Okay, I do it too. Right? There's nothing defective about you, kitten. It's just a survival skill like any other, right? Yeah, that's so true. And we Sometimes we can get caught. I love how you say you only say the thinking, codependent yeah. thinking, because we can get caught yeah. into the identity of it or yes. the victimization of it. Yeah. That this is just how it's going to be. We can't change, yep. or it can become an identity. Or, you know, and it, oh, 100%. Just, yeah. Which, if you want that to be your identity, great. But if you want to change, you don't. You don't have to. You don't have to have that part of your identity. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't see how it can be supportive to yeah. say codependent is who I am, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is that really what you want to be identifying as, kitten? Yeah. You know, yeah. right? And I think for me and my own journey and growing up, I had digestive issues since birth as well. Mm. And just not realizing that part of me and and just how that learned behavior mm. but you know we get woo here i think energetically and just that yeah. lineage i chose to come into to this body in this lifetime to learn these lessons and i do think that there's a lot of times digestively i know with perfectionism as well and like people pleasing a lot of autoimmune diseases come up too but because my motto and the thing I live my life and why it inspired me to create the show is our body isn't in the way it's leading the way. So right. all of these right. things are all happening for us to 
you know, knock, knock, knock up. It's calling us up to take a look in and to, to do the inner work, change the mindset, do something differently. So I'd love to hear your take on like the tie with the chronic pain and autoimmune diseases, the digestive issues and the, this codependent type thinking. Yeah, I want to be very careful here as a yeah. clinician, uh, particularly coming not just from functional medicine, but from public health. Uh, I totally agree with you that anytime our health is out of balance, that it's a beautiful invitation to look at what's out of balance, right? Like, what are what's the signal here? And I wasn't just sick because codependent thinking, I had a parasite. Right. I had blastocystis hominis. I had Helicobacter pylori. I had a candida overgrowth. Like I had bugs. Right. And so I just want to always be part of, of the conversation around balance that like, yes, mindset, yes, somatic practice. Yes, yes, yes. All the witchy woo. Like your girl is a hundred percent here for it. And science, right. There's, there's space. You know, I, I, my, I talk about my work as the place where the science and the sacred meet. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think it can get too simplified, right? And I think that goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's not just the thinking, right? It's the it's the mind body connection in all areas. And that applies totally. to this too. Yeah, well. for sure. For yeah. sure. And what I always want to make sure that we're not doing is, is not throwing systems under the bus, right? Because like we need to talk about Monsanto and GMOs. We need to talk about pesticides. We need to talk about chemicals. We need to talk about Dow chemicals. Like we need to talk about the systems that are literally poisoning us if we're to talk about wellness in the physical body, the spiritual body, the energetic body, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, and the systems that, you know, talking about big pharma, big farming and Monsanto, but also just the, the system of patriarchy and how that just creates our own mindset and programs us to believe that the healing happens individually and oh, yeah. how we can open ourselves up to more of that collective healing too. So right. what, do you, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I, <laughs> it's not only the patriarchy, right? Yeah. White settler colonialism, yeah. late stage capitalism, like it, it is truly at the core of a white colonialist uh, project to uh, individuate people, right? To make us believe that we are not part of a collective because we're so much stronger when we are collectivized, when we are working together. And so the more we can convince folks that healing happens in a silo, the less the collective heals, right? And the less pushback there is against systems that are making an awful lot of money for a very 1%, right? And are keeping systems of power in place um, that are really threatened. I would also say that, you know, codependency, well, codependent thinking and, and, the patriarchy and other systems of oppression really move hand in hand when we think about embodiment, right? So when we are truly and deeply embodied, meaning present in our bodies, really at home in living from and in our bodies, whew, it's, a, it's a lot harder to, to, uh, to follow the rules of these systems, right? Because what embodiment is at its core is a return to agency to choicefulness and to dignity. And so it is part and parcel of capitalism, et cetera, to remove that dignity from us, to make us think that what matters is um, just to be a brain, 
right? To live from the neck up. Um, that thinking is really the only important thing and that the needs of the human body are to be sort of relegated to hashtag self-care, relegated to like the, the, the right, the rare weekend away. Um, it's something expensive. It's something we have to pay for. We have to like go get a massage. Um, that it's something external to us that someone else, like it's the whole premise that healers even exist, which I'm not out here believing, right? Like we heal ourselves. We heal in community. Community heals us, right? It's not like one person can heal another. We have that power within each of us, again, uh, bolstered by the collective. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. So I could go on and on. Oh. <laughs> And for me, like my disclaimer on that is whether it's Monsanto, mm. patriarchal society, whatever it is, yeah, it's all happening for me. And that's my mindset and view set of the world that we live in this world of duality. And in order mm. for us to reclaim our own embodiment, there had to be this way shift to one side in order to call us up to shift and find this new balance too. So for me, I never want to talk about those kind of bad guys, quote unquote, as a victim, right? That we're, you know, that, that we have, we're powerless between this. It's, mm -hmm. all, it's all happening because we, we live in the light and dark, feminine and masculine, good, quote unquote, bad, quote unquote. And it, all of these energetic forces at play are here to wake us up. It's all right. it's all happening in the perfect timing and in the perfect way. So because I know I can get lost down the the rabbit hole of conspiracy theory kind of mentality. And although those might be true, I always tune into how I feel. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then when you are fully embodied, like you said, nothing can knock you off of that. You're in your own power. You know who you are, and no money, no thing can can change that. So that's my disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when things do dysregulate our nervous system, because yes. that, that is that is just like being human, oh, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, we have the skills and the tools to come back to yes. our grounding, to come yes. back to center. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And I think for me, that's really important that there's no there there. There's no like healing apex to go to. There's no pinnacle of healing where you don't get rattled the rattling is normal. And sometimes it is the necessary constriction that's part of expansion, right? I mean, exactly. metals expand and then they contract and then they expand, so too with us. Yeah, ex it, totally. And I don't, there's, you said there's no end goal with healing or right. with life. If there was, I don't think we would be there. It's right. The con one continuous thing is always going to be change and yeah, growth and evolution. For sure. yeah. And I would love to jump into talking more about you know, somatic practices that you help people with and the science behind all of that too. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. So somatic, uh, we'll just do some quick definitions here uh, is, is a term that's getting quickly popularized um, for better and worse, you know, as, as it is, uh, things get diluted quickly when they get like hashtag popular. But anyway, uh, soma means body in Greek. And so somatic or somatic practices are the constellation of modalities that are focused on the body and a return to the wisdom of the body. Um, the, the body in its wholeness becomes the focal point in a somatic practice. 
Uh, and my goal is always with my clients uh, and in my own life that we learn and do somatic practices with the goal of having a somatic praxis, the shift from practicing to living life through the lens of the body, where the brain is not our primary go-to. We are asking, how do I feel through the body? And we're letting the body answer, right? We are embodying our truth, our intentionality, our intuition, our discernment as it comes through the body is our guide. Uh, and and for me, that's been incredibly important because I used my intellect uh, and being a wicked smarty pants, which, sorry, let me translate. That's hella smarty pants for the West Coast. Just wanted to just really be inclusive. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. So anyway, uh, being a wicked smarty pants was like my way to not feel my feelings and to create a false sense of safety in life. I'm not dissing it for a hot second. I'm so glad my brain knew to do that, to try to keep me safe, to try to keep me protected. Like, way to go, brain. It, it doesn't serve me in the long term, right? But in the short term, it was really uh, very supportive. So somatics, the practice of coming back to the body, right? To living life through the body, remembering that our socialization and our conditioning lives in the, the prefrontal cortex of our brain, right? Our executive thinking, smarty pants part, uh, is where our thinking happens. And so that is deeply impacted, affected, molded by the society, culture, families in which we were raised up, in which we grew up, particularly ages zero to seven, which is when the nervous system gets its initial uh, blueprint for life, its original operating system. So the science is really all about the nervous system and recognizing that when a nervous system state gets activated, the body needs to complete that state to come back to peace. So what that means is uh, someone, you know, my partner the other day, I was, what was I doing? I was like folding the laundry or something. And she came home early and I don't know why the dog didn't bark, but he didn't. And so she came up behind me and went, boo. And she scared my pants off. She got like 10 out of 10 points. Like she, well done, Billy. Way to go. Well done, you. And I jumped and I, like, my immediate reaction was to, like, you know, not hit her, but, like, paw at her, hit her. Like, oh, man, sticker. You, you scared me. Oh, right. And move my hands fast. You know what I mean? Like, the way little kids paw at each other. And that was my body completing the stress activation cycle. So I was at rest. I was chill. I was in ventral vagal. I was folding laundry, do, 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 making little perfect Marie Kondo squares, feeling good about life. And then there was a fright. Ah! My nervous system got activated into what's called sympathetic activation, uh, fight or flight, an adrenaline and eventually cortisol fueled state in which the body is like, there's a lion here. And so the body needs to know the lion is gone. And it needs to let that lion-based adrenaline energy out. And that's what my body immediately did because I'm safe with her, right? She's my safest person. And so being, you know, being able to move quickly and let that frenetic ah, out brought my nervous system back into ventral vagal, the safe and social part of the nervous system where we can connect, where our cognition works optimally, and to bring us back to the physiology, 
everything that runs through the middle of us, our uh, eyes, ears, nose, and throat, our swallow reflex, our throat, heart, and lungs, digestion, diaphragmatic activity, reproductive function, liver, spleen, kidney, everything runs best. Also thinking, thinking runs best when we are in ventral vagal, when our nervous system thinks I am not currently under attack, which makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you see animals in the wild, when they mm. get triggered in fight or flight after they're safe and they relax, they do the same thing. You can yeah. see, yeah. you know, there's, there's this gazelles. The video. Yeah, gazelles. I've seen That's video a popular of a polar one. bear who's yeah, got tranquilized. Tranquilized and yeah. then he starts shaking after <laughs> yeah. and then just takes yeah. this huge inhale and <sighs> physiologic sigh. You know, and you, yep. you, can, feel, you can feel that you really sigh. Can. Yep. Um, my question for you is, okay, so maybe we catch ourselves in fight or flight and we're, we know the skills and we can, you know, let that out in the moment, but where does that energy go when we don't? And we, is it stored oh. in our body? Can we release yeah. that at a later date? Beautiful like, question. How's this happening? Yeah. Yeah. So in the nervous system nerd world, we say the issues are in the tissues, which means that our body holds on to all that stored adrenaline. So if someone with whom I don't feel safe had startled me or it had been an actual lion, then I would have had to make a different choice other than to release that energy in a safe, sane, helpful, loving, cute, fun way, right? Uh, and for like, yeah, like little kids, most of us can't yell back at a parent, right? Like that's just not a safe, smart thing to do. So we hold it in. Now, it's not like there's like, angry sitting in your elbow or sad in your shoulder, right? It's not like your emotions stay in your body like that. But what happens is we assume postures. And so this is leaning more towards Pat Ogden's work, sensory motor psychotherapy, um, looking at the postural changes that happen secondary to our nervous system response. So the big one I talk about in my work, because most of my clients, most of us who are emotional outsourcers, which is what I call codependent, perfectionist, and people-pleasing thinkers, we've been walking on eggshells our whole lives. And so we come into a stance where our shoulders are rolled forward, our chest is collapsed, and we're sort of in a collapse against the world, right? And perhaps with our hands out like a boxer ready for the next blow, and we, we move in the sagittal plane in this way, right? And we lose our capacity to be in the flow state in our bodies, right? Our posture shows how we're closed against the world, right? So next time you get startled or somebody texts who you're like, oh, see what happens to your body. Get curious, right? Does your head drop, right? Or do you, do you throw your shoulders back in a defensive stance? Like you're going to, like a, like a punching posture. Do you collapse through the shoulders? Where do your hands go? Where do your legs go? How do you sit in certain conversations with different people? And, and that's where the energetic goes, is into posture usually. Uh, and what we're interested in is the postural changes. And I think that's really important um, to make the conversation less ableist. It's not like there is some right posture that shows that your nervous system's cool. Like, come on now. Uh, what we're looking at is changes from your physiologic baseline. So if you have scoliosis, not having a straight spine doesn't mean there's something like out of balance with your nervous system. It means you have scoliosis, right? So just saying that really clearly. So then your next part of your question was, um, can we release that energetic? 
at some later point? Absolutely. So that's the work that we do uh, in somatic experiencing, which is another part of my training, is really going in to have a conversation with the nervous system, with parts of ourselves, uh, with our inner children, and allowing for completion of that stress activation cycle. So that can mean in our mind's eye, pushing someone away or pushing a situation away or screaming at someone or whispering the truth we wanted to say or asking for help or showing up as um, our favorite version of ourselves, our most loving adult self to give ourselves support, right? There's lots of ways that we can play with these energies and um, allow ourselves to flourish in completing that stress activation. So it's not always under the surface, driving us out of regulation because the, the body wants to complete it, right? It wants to do these things, right? Uh, whatever, you know, your completion looks like and, and will drive us and keep us in a dysregulated state where regulation in the nervous system refers to how much gas is going into the system and how much brake Right. So if you're driving a car, you regulate it by giving a little gas right before you go into a curve. And then on the straightaway, you see a curve coming up. You put a little brake right before the curve, a little gas as you go into the curve. Right. You regulate the car's speed. So, too, with our nervous system, we see something that feels unsafe. You might hit the gas a little bit so you can get out of there. And if you feel really, really unsafe, you just want to stop. So you hit the brake all the way. That's called dorsal shutdown freeze, disconnect, disassociation from self, uh, a catatonic state in its most extreme forms. But most of us aren't there, thank goodness. We're just in a sort of light tapping of the brake, which looks like depression, uh, or just sort of being checked out, just kind of like, wait, wait, what? Sorry, I just, oh, my, I just, I got overwhelmed. Sorry, wait, what was that? So that's what dorsal can look like. Wow. That's beautiful. I, lo I love hearing the connection with the science and the nervous system and, yeah. and the emotion part of it. Um, I know that you help people through somatic practices like breath work, yeah. ecstatic dance. Like what are some, um, I guess, in addition to those, like what are some other somatic kind of practices that people might want to try out or I guess go into what, you know, what you offer and help people with as well? Yeah. So what we know from the science is that things like uh, things like breathwork are really can be a beautiful part of somatic healing, but it is a cathartic practice. And so I always say cathartic is catharsis is cute, but integration is where uh, real sustainable life change happens. So things like dance and movement that help us to reconnect with and step into our bodies. Um, really one of the most important and vital somatic practices is being our own watcher. So most of us think of being our own watcher of, of just watching our thoughts. And that's helpful, that's amazing, that's incredible. Yes, please. And let's start watching our body, right? Let's be present in the body to watch the ebb and flow of energy throughout our form and to see what changes in our bodies in different moments, in different settings, in different situations, in response to different thoughts, right? In response to different emotions. So what does sad feel like in your body? What does anger feel like in your body? What is on a zero to 10 scale? What does a one of anger feel like? And what is a 27 of anger? Does anger turn into sad? Does sad turn into anger? Does happy turn? What, 
what, right? Like what's the what? How do your different emotions feel in your physiology? Because the more you get to know it, the more you can stay once again in embodied dignity by honoring what's coming up for you before you step out of your integrity and yell at somebody, right? And say something you don't mean, uh, shut down, pull away, right? We're able to stay in our dignity when we're aware of what's happening below the surface, uh, below the level of consciousness in our own lives. I love that. I love, I, I've never heard the, the how you phrased it, becoming the watcher. I've heard the mm. observer mm. or the scientist, but I love the watcher because mm. it's just like nice. It's like a gentle kind yeah. of feeling to a loving yeah. kind of safe. Feeling. Right. But yeah. Right. Because compassion is yeah. compassion, curiosity, and care. So yeah. the three C's I teach, right. And they are the most vital part of this work. The way we talk to ourselves in meditation, in mindfulness, in our tender moments, that's how we live our lives. So take a look at it. Get curious. How are you talking to yourself and what's the resonance in your body, right? Are you bringing compassionate inquiry to the praxis of being you in the world, right? And then how are you relating to the people in your life? Because the way we treat ourselves is often the way we'll treat others. Oof. Ooh, ooh. So, yeah. so true. And on that note, it's a perfect way to mm. start to close the show. Was there anything mm. else you feel called to talk about or wrap up before we start to close down today? Presence. Presence is, is the question, is the answer, is, is the thing. So many of us live our lives for really wise survival-based reasons outside of presence, outside of intentionality, living from obligation, living from other people's stories, living to people please others and, and take care of others in ways that take us out of ourselves. And so if you do one thing to support yourself and your growth and your communities and the collective, it is to come back into presence any chance you can. So how about the next time you're washing your hands Pause and feel the water, feel the soap, smell the soap, right? Come back into present moment awareness with yourself. It's the greatest gift you can give yourself and, and the people around you, truly. Oh, yep, yep, yep. It's so corny, but I always think your presence is a present. That's super corny and I love it. it. But <laughs> you don't forget it and it's true. You don't forget it. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> no, you sure don't. I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Maria Victoria, for coming mm -hmm. on here. Yeah. And we are so grateful for your presence and your mm -hmm. wisdom and your time today. How may we as the listeners as a huge act of gratitude be of mm -hmm. service for you in return today? Mm, well, thank you. Allowing me to be of service is being of service to me. So <laughs> I love that. You know, I always talk about how the antidote to codependency uh, is not more self-flagellation. It's a move into interdependence, uh, not independence, right? Not proclaiming, I can do it all. But rather, how can we hold hands and do this together? Yeah. And so uh, in an act of mutuality and reciprocity, I have a super special present for your listeners. Uh, yay. So if you head on over to victoriaalbina.com slash witchy wellness, you can download a special suite of meditations, uh, nervous system orienting exercises, a bunch of delights for free, just for being a beautiful listener of this show. 
So that's really fun. Uh, you can also follow me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria Albina Wellness. And my podcast is called Feminist Wellness. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much again, Maria Victoria, for coming on. It was such an honor to share the space with you today. It was so lovely. Thank you. And thank you for all you do in the yeah. world. I appreciate you. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way. <laughs>